Well, that sucked. The offense struggled. There was no identity. The play calling was not great. There were a lot of mistakes that happened on Sunday. It's hard to believe that we've had, like, what, a full offseason to get ready for one game? And unfortunately, what we saw was not great. But there needs to be a better effort in week two. And I'm not ready to abandon shit by any stretch of the imagination. We are 1-0 last season, beating the 49ers. We won the division in 2018 after losing to the Packers. I mean, it didn't quite end up the same way in 2019. But listen, there is way too much football to be depressed this much so early. So, Sammy, why don't we just get started? Let's go ahead and start the show. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sports entertainment like no other. It's gonna be sick. It is Wednesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank, our new home on Wednesday night. We will get you sorted and ready to go to the Tape Never Lies Network here in about an hour and a half. AEW will be starting here at the top of the hour as well. But I want to sit here and take your questions, talk talk through our feelings. I was able to talk to Tyler Scott on the Tyler Scott Show on Tuesday. That helped me feel a little bit better. I was feeling better, too, because our friend Draft Dr. Phil, his boy Tate, Sent me some videos today of him just crushing it. So he is, he's got some ballers on his hands. Uh, draft Dr. Phil coaching him up. He needs to be the coach of this football team, it feels like. But so I'm feeling a little bit better. And I also looked, uh, my fantasy teams were killing it. So I, even, even in a league where I had started Aaron Rodgers, I won that league. So I feel pretty good. And by the way, if you like fantasy football, underdog fantasy football is the best way to play fantasy football that's right it's simple and easy to get started go to underdogfantasy.com or better yet download the app and new users when you sign up using the promo code sick underdog fantasy will match your initial deposit up to 100 and i will let you know right now uh, i tweeted about it today guillotine leagues my friends started one and we're, we're having a great time with it and if you don't know what it is i'll explain it later we're going to be doing a couple of guillotine leagues because they are so much fun. And we're going to be doing them on underdog fantasy. So get ready uh, for those of you who are in the comments right now already. If you're interested in playing in a guillotine league, let us know. Uh, but enough about that. Let's get, let's get on to week two. We, the Chicago Bears will be on the road to face the tip of a Buccaneers. And our, our co-host knows a thing or two about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because in addition to working for FoxSports.com, uh, she was a member of the Champa Bay Buccaneers, the team that won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Uh, so let's welcome to the show our friend Carmen Vitali. Carmen, how are you living? I'm good. I'm of good. Course you, of course, you're good. Of course, um, I actually don't get to go. I don't get to go down to the Bears Bucks game, which I'm actually kind of sad about. Uh, I have to go to Detroit instead. But what? I cover four. Oh, I cover four, all four teams. I so understand. I, I, I was at Bears Packers this week one. So now I got to go up and see my friends in Detroit and my friends in Minneapolis the week after. So we're, we're making the rounds. Who do I got to call? Buck? Kevin Jackson? Bartlett? <laughs> sure. Who do I need to call? I'll call go them ahead, all. Call the above and see. Get you down. No, we, have, we have Greg Allman down there. He covers the NFC South of Fox Sports. Oh, that makes sense. So, yeah, I'm yeah. not, I don't want to encroach on, on Greg's territory. I already, I already told the guys down in Tampa that I wouldn't be coming, but I could, oh, pro- I'm going to try to go see them up in Green Bay. We'll see. All right. Well, I'm sure that they're all bummed out about that. And I'm sure that a lot of you saw a lot of bummed out Chicago fans. You've been you've been to a lot of Bears games. Yeah. You've seen a lot of disappointment. And what what was the level of like, was this the worst that it's ever like as far as like fans being disappointed? Was this the worst ever? Uh, the higher you get, the harder you fall. And that was kind of the bear all off season. The hype was just so incredibly up there for a team that is in year two of a rebuild. And I think that bears fans, that's, that's all I've been trying to do this off season. I don't need to be expectations. 
you're going to get lectured because guess what? I get in my mentions all the time how I hate the Bears and I hate <laughs> Justin Fields. Nothing could be further from the truth. I like Justin. I want yeah. him to be good. I want the city of Chicago to have a team that it can be proud of and get excited about. Nothing would make me happier because I did grow up here. I grew up a Bears fan. This team has broken my heart more times than I can count. But now that I'm a reporter, I, I'm not allowed to be a fan of any of the teams I cover. Right. So now it's one of those things where I have to be objective. And my objective opinion was that this team was just not far enough along yet. And that's okay because they're not supposed to be yet. They're but how? Be. Well, let me ask you this because I know like it was, it was awful. Did you expect it to be that bad or did you think they were going to be a little bit more competitive perhaps? No, I expected it to be that bad. I really, really? I really did. And I'll tell you why. Okay. So when, when we first talked about this and I picked – the Packers to win this yeah. game when the schedule came out. That much was pre- intuition. M- yeah, much that, credit to you. I have this on the rundown. I was going to give you your problem. You did. You did. That was intuition. That was me growing up a Bears fan, knowing things just aren't that easy. And Bears fans can't have nice things. And I feel p- terribly about that, but I I lived it for a lot of my life. And then when I started going to training camp and I was at practices in a couple of weeks leading up to week one, I did not see enough of a difference from last year. And I was like, this team isn't ready. And that's, again, that's okay. They're not supposed to be yet. This is year two in a multi-year process, as Ryan Pulse has said. But it, I think what was so disheartening is that it was the same exact issues for the same exact reasons. Yeah. That was I, the, the part that caught me, I guess, a little bit off guard. Although I did see some improvements out of the defense. It wasn't a good defensive effort. Don't get me wrong. But you could see kind of the plan there. The offense was just a total debacle still. And I, you saw that in practice, though. Everything looked discombobulated even in practice. So I absolutely expected it to go this way because Green Bay, as long as Green Bay's defense played up to the talent level that they have, which they did. So Of course they did. Yeah. It yeah. is uh, It is. It is one of those things like you should go to expect it. And, it's, and by the way, if you are, I'm going to hold up my hand. Have you seen Ted Lasso? Are you up to date on Ted Lasso? <laughs> a okay. huge Ted Lasso fan. Okay. If you are not up to date on Ted Lasso, I'm going to hold up my hand because I'm going to do a spoiler. And then when my hand goes down, you can come back and, and put us back on sound. I was watching season three, episode seven, and it's the one after Sam's restaurant gets destroyed. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that Bill Lawrence will always find a way of like, when you have an endearing moment, like the teammates come and help rebuild it. Like there'll be a pipe bomb that comes through the window. That's a usual Bill Lawrence thing, but it didn't happen. And when I saw that and I watched it on Saturday night, that actually made me feel good about the Bears. It was like, oh, Bill Lawrence didn't do the usual thing. Maybe I should open my expectations. And now everybody's fine. You're ready to go. Uh, It didn't happen. And it was really bad. And the thing that I believe that was the most frustrating, and I can still sit here and be like, you know what? Justin Fields needs to improve on this or guys need to do this. These things need to be fixed. It's just the dumb things. Like it's what is the identity of this team? It's third and short, third and one, your first third and one of the season. And instead of giving it to the most electrifying, not the best, but the most electrifying quarterback in the world, you're like, let's have Cole Komet sneak it. Like, what is, why do they do such things? Like, what is, what is happening in this world that you thought like that was the ideal play call? I think that again, you're seeing the fact that maybe a first time play caller at offensive coordinator combined with a defensive head coach, a first time head coach, maybe isn't the recipe for a quarterback that still needs to develop. And we're seeing that more and more. And you think that, Hey, the second year in the system, you should have the basics down. All the basics should be installed and you should be able to operate this offense with some sort of cadence and some sort of rhythm and know what you're doing and know what you're looking at, especially with such a familiar opponent. And yeah. I don't, I don't have any justification for why. Yeah, you bring in Cole Komet to do that. That's that's you saw the linebackers creep down as soon as Cole Komet did that. They knew it was a sneak, and like yeah. Cole isn't used to doing those things either. Like there is, I know it looks like a quarterback just kind of like runs into the pile usually, um, and like there's no technique to it. But there is a technique to it. Tom Brady yeah. used to stagger his feet so he could get some momentum. The Philadelphia Eagles are famous for putting guys behind the quarterback, like skill players, because you can't put offensive linemen behind there. That's too much. But skill players to push you. And like that, that is what should have happened. And plus, I mean, Justin Fields is not a small guy. He can handle these sneaks and there was just no excuse for it. And then on the second one, when he, when Justin Fields tried to sneak, it was like, 
one of those things where he didn't really have the technique down either because he hesitated a little bit before he then went over the top. And it's like, it's either or. Either you hesitate and then go all the way in or you just jump right over the pile. And there weren't any linebackers back there. He could have cleared it. But because he hesitated, it didn't work. So there was such a breakdown of things from the coaching to the execution to player strategy, like to player technique. I mean, it was just all around bad. Yeah. Yeah. There were so many, so many different things that were going wrong. Like we, we actually had a really nice crowd who turned out to rip beer company in Huntington Beach, California. Oh, it was a great crowd until about halftime. Then people were just leaving like that. We've seen enough. And that first, that first drive, we asked Tyler about it because it's like, it's great when you go for it. And it's like, okay, so you've got that part of it. And I didn't want him to start criticizing. So for anybody who was watching yesterday, like I'm not going to make Tyler criticize Luke. He's a rookie. Like he's not, he doesn't have that kind of cachet, so to speak. Like if it was Aaron Rodgers, who was our veteran quarterback, like, hey, why do you let Luke? Maybe this is why sometimes we need a quarterback to be like, we're changing this play call. Like, nope, not doing this. Um, it, it, it was too reminiscent of Jay Cutler yelling at Mike Martz on the sideline, which again is the same thing of like Lovey Smith being a defensive minded head coach and being like, all right, like you figure it out, Mike Martz. We see it in Buffalo. Like even Buffalo is going to have this issue through the entirety of the season because Sean McDermott is the, de- is the defensive coordinator as well as being the offensive coordinator. And he's like, you know what? Uh, you figure it out. Ken Dorsey, like, and then Josh Allen's throwing interceptions. So there's a, I know there's a lot of people who are going through this. JT O'Sullivan, uh, who does great work on YouTube and all that stuff, broke down. He broke down Justin Fields' performance. Obviously, wasn't great. Was it? Was it all the quarterback? Is there any like? Should we just be like, well, not fixable. Let's see what happens with Caleb Williams. Or do we think that there are some things that we could work on moving forward? I was honestly wondering how how long it would take for people to start pivoting to Caleb Williams. Um, here's the thing. Again, it was every single level. I mean, that the botched third and fourth down plays on the opening series are such a microcosm to what's wrong with this team. It's every level. I mean, there are things that, yes, I get that Justin Fields doesn't have a lot of time sometimes, but even when he does have the time, he's missing reads. He's not getting through his progressions. And like what I don't understand either, I don't really get his vision a lot of the times because on some of those, uh, there was a couple different plays where DJ Moore came wide open and Justin instead threw the check down, but the check down was in the lane the throwing lane of where DJ Moore was. So I'm like, if you can see the check down, why can't you see DJ Moore? And then of course there's the offensive line who look like five guys just thrown together last minute because, Oh yeah, they're five guys thrown together at the last minute. They don't know what the guy next to them is doing. I really don't understand the uh, decision to, if you think that Tevin Jenkins is coming back like week four or five, why are you putting two guys out of position? Now you moved Cody Whitehair out of center yeah. And put Lucas Patrick in there. Lucas Patrick has experience at guard. Why wouldn't you keep L- Cody Whitehair yeah. at the position you want him to play? Like, why would you put two guys out of position instead of just one? I like none. None of these decisions makes any sense to me. And so that 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 involves coaching. That involves personnel. Like, did did personnel did the draft do a good enough job getting the kinds of guys that you need to execute these offense, this offense, and this defense? And then there's player error. There's like it's just player technique just isn't good. Um, like Cole Komet on the pick six, you know, he like wraps up, tries to wrap up Quay Walker, but like goes in way too high. That was something that was on JTS Sullivan's breakdown that, you know, you yeah. saw in real time though. And it just comes off as like a lack of effort. And then, yeah, don't get me started on the perimeter blocking. If you're going to run that many screens, you better be damn sure that your wide receivers are out there blocking. Yeah. And they weren't. So it was just, it was a failure at so many different levels. And I don't know if it's fixable because of that. It's not like one thing needs to be fixed or one phase needs to be fixed. It needs to be fixed from the top down and back up again. Yeah. There's a lot of things going wrong. And I, it's funny because before the, the show started, I was doing a radio hit in Canada and they asked me about Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons and how boring the football game looks with uh with his play calling and everything and i'm like you know what i would love to have arthur smith being our i would love to win boring games like that that's exactly what teams need to do when you're not at the level of of squads like the kansas city chiefs 
or an Aaron Rodgers led Green Bay Packers or the 49ers or anybody like that. Like, you know what? Go out and find a way to make your quarterback successful. There is a reason why every time a quarterback goes down for the 49ers and they bring in a, an absolute scrub, no disrespect to anybody who's a CJ Beathard fan from Iowa. Um, they just make them successful. And obviously Brock Purdy has is, is gone on to the next level. And it's just like, it's insanity to me. I would, I would love to be that boring again. I would love to be like, listen, I know the fans complain if we run the football too much, but like we, I, I, I hope Roshan Johnson convinced them like run them 40 times this week. I just see what happens. I don't care if this game on Sunday takes two hours because the clock is constantly running. Like what, why, why don't they, is it just hubris? Like why, why won't they make that kind of adjustment? I, Again, I don't really have answers for you at this point. I think it's interesting, though, as almost a counterpoint to what you just said, the Green Bay Packers thrive in motion and shifts and ways to confuse the defense as a means to help Jordan Love. That's why they do it. And it's incredible to witness because it does. It confuses defenses. It makes them make snap decisions or decisions, you know, as, as the ball is snapped, which puts them on their heels. And so I'm like, well, like, it can work if your guys can execute it and I can think that's what we're seeing too is again, there's this player error. There's this lack of effort, whatever it is. But at this point, I think there was one design run for Justin Fields in the game uh, against the Packers. Like everything else was like a scramble drill. Like he obviously ran more than that, but there was one design run. I'm like, if it takes running Justin Fields with the other backs just to get him comfortable, the offensive line, who are a good run-blocking unit, or they at least were last year, yeah. if it takes them doing that in the beginning of games to get these guys comfortable and get their confidence up, so be it. Do, do that. Because from everything we've heard this year, the Chicago Bears are trying to win games this year. Yeah. that's I know. And it's funny because like I've learned this as a, a 10U girls soccer coach is like we sit there and at some point during the game I have two just absolute studs. I'm like go win this game. Like just please go. Like at some point like if I just wish they would have been like just run the just whatever. Run the ball Justin. Just run the ball like okay, we don't want you running for a 1000 yards this season. You have to win this game. Go run for 150 and let's go home right. happy. I just wish that at, at, at some point and you know last year it took that disastrous loss to the Commanders to be like, all right, let's do this. And like, let's do it. Let's just run it. Like, okay, fine. He's a big boy. I don't care. I don't care how many times you call him a running back. If he's out there winning games, then that's fine with me. Run for a thousand yards again. My fantasy team will love it. He's taking hits anyway in the pocket. Like when he stands in the pocket, like if you're going to get hit, just get hit. Like, I, like at least he could have some, I don't know, control over his hits, which was what happened last year. And, I, you know, I don't know what that says for the progression of this offense in general if you're still reverting back to last year and relying on Justin Fields' legs. Like, that's not letting you make a decision on him. But, I mean, they seem hell-bent on making him pass, which is true, but maybe just establish the run first. And then yeah. that opens up more of the offense. That makes the defense guess a little bit more. It makes them have to defend both phases of the offense I don't know. I just, I have no answers for how inept yeah, a lot of that game looked. Well, that's true. And, and, and a lot of it too, is going to be coming down to like, how do they, how do they adapt this week moving forward? But before we go to the Tampa Bay game, I do want to say the defense, I, I know that you mentioned the defense looked a little bit better. There were way too many third and longs where you're like, well, I just, we'll, we'll get this guy off the field that they yeah. just miracle. Like, it's not even a miracle. It's just like, again, and I don't want to say that it's a lack of effort, but it doesn't look great the way that the Packers with that team. And I listen, Aaron Jones is a fine player. There is no way they should be picking up that many third downs, especially that many third and longs. Well, third down is definitely an issue, but I mean, the fact that the bears even got the Packers into those third and longs, I think is an improvement over last year. Like when I say improvement, it's incremental. It's not like, Oh, okay. You know, but you can see the vision with this defense, which makes yeah. a ton of sense because Matt Eberflus is a defensive head coach. And so, you know, that he's going to know how to kind of arrange his guys and what his guys can do well and, and what they can handle and all that kind of stuff. And you bring in veterans at the middle of the defense and Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards and, all that kind of stuff that makes a difference. And so like it was incremental 
improvement, but it was improvement nonetheless. They still obviously need to figure some stuff out in the pass rush. Unique and Gakwe was not a Band-Aid that's just going to fix everything. Yeah. Um, the interior, there was no interior pressure still, even though they have a really deep rotation on the interior. So you don't, again, and it's one, it's one game. So like I'm not, and that the Packers offensive line is a very good offensive line. So maybe not the best game to judge how much better this defense has, like, imp- or how much this defense has improved. Right. Um, but I mean, you're gonna, you're like, you're gonna have to keep seeing those little incremental improvements, and then I'm okay with it. At least okay. it didn't seem as though all of the same problems existed on the defense. Some of At them. Least, did. Listen, not all of them. Work in progress. I can live with right. that. Uh, how about a couple of questions though, Sammy, before we move on to next week or this coming game, how about a co- I know I'm probably going to regret this, but let's, uh, Steven. Hey, what's up, Steven? How concerned are you about Eberflus and his coaching staff? Today's press conferences raises serious questions about his understanding of the team. And you know what? We've, we've both talked about how much we love Matt Eberflus, but I would be disingenuous to sit here and be like, yeah, this is a little bit of a concern. I have no concerns about Ryan polls, like honestly, and it might seem crazy and people might question my judgment. I think that the overall long-term vision for this team is sound. I think as a football organization, they've moved into the right direction enough to the point of like, okay, I can see where we're going. They've made some missteps. I think we're pretty close to writing off the chase Claypool thing as a mistake. And that's fine. You got to take some risks. Listen, you got to bet money to win money. So listen, I understand. I love Matt Eberflus. I really enjoyed my conversations with him, but we cannot keep sitting here and talking about the same errors over and over again. And you can love somebody, but I can love him being the defensive coordinator of the Falcons next year. If he doesn't get his stuff together, am I being too harsh? No, not at all. There's no excuse to not be able to at least have an answer when you get to the podium as to why DJ Moore was subbed out after getting two straight first downs. That is your number one wide receiver. I get that he did a lot of work in those two in this, in those two plays, but if you're doing it right, your one your number one wide receiver is running a route on every single play. These guys are conditioned to do that, yeah. So you she shouldn't need a break. Like that's just that's I and to not understand to not know exactly why DJ Moore wasn't involved in those plays is inexcusable. Like it really is. Even like that tells me that you're not even communicating with your staff because. If I'm Matt Eberflus as the head coach, in game, I probably don't know. So, like, right after the game, I might not know the answer to that. But after the game, Monday morning, I'm going straight into Getsy's office and being like, why was DJ Moore out on that? Yeah. And this was a Monday press conference. So, he had had enough time to do that. So, I'm incredibly concerned. You better. Honestly. You should know. Every, every fantasy person, anybody who watches fantasy football or studies fantasy football knows the snap counts. Of every like all the offensive snap counts, and if your head coach does not know, like why why is DJ Moore not a hundred percent? Like what wh- what plays is he not in on? And I want to know. And I want to. Those are the questions that I have. Yeah. I, I wish our head coach had that as well. So again, these are things that I don't know. Like you've already had your rookie season. I don't want right. to like we we let Matt Nagy. And again, I like. And I, the funny thing too is I like Matt Nagy too. But I like, yeah, I like both of them as people and like as, as coaches, as coordinators, honestly. And I hate that kind of cop out of like, well, he's just not a good head coach. Cause I don't think that that necessarily rings true for everybody, yeah. but I, I think it's, and I think it's really hard to, when your first job, your first head coaching job to really understand that. But again, we're not in year one, we're in year two. Yeah. Now you should kind of have more of a grasp on this and the way that Eber, Matt Eberflus kind of just blatantly denies to answer so many different kinds of questions. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, you can't do that. You've got to get the media on your side. And I get that when you're a coordinator, that's not a huge thing. Like you don't have to talk to me, the media as much, but when you're a head coach, you have to be able to play that game. And so far I haven't seen that either. And so that like, it doesn't lend itself to giving him the benefit of the doubt then when he doesn't know something like that as to why DJ Moore was subbed out or something else along those lines. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It just, it's, it's, it's disheartening. Cause I do, I like him as a person. I know the players like playing for him too. That's the greatest way to put, I was going to say disheartening as well. That's like a really, it's a, it's a bummer. Like, honestly, like that's only the, the only way I can describe. I'm just bummed out. I'm disappointed. Yeah. Uh, but thank you for the question. See, do we have another one before uh, another look back? How we feel about fields hooking love up with tickets uh, for mom? Listen, sometimes football is family. All right. This is one of those things. It's fine. 
we need to take things like this like less that's, seriously that's cool there are, these guys entire personas do not exist between the white lines they are humans they are friends often more often than not and i mean these are guys that have gone through the same experiences are going through the same experiences especially like a fellow position player like another quarterback like that is a fraternity the, the yeah. 32 nfl quarterbacks are a fraternity um and i like also there's just very few instances i feel like in general of players actually hating each other yeah like mike Evans and marshawn Lattimore no, actually hate each other right yeah. but like that's in the minority like most of these guys uh, especially because like the turnover in the league and you never know what team you're going to end up on and like all of these guys are going through this nfl experience together so a lot of them are really good friends and it's really i feel like it's awesome to see him reach out and make sure that you know yeah. His mom's taken care of. Like, that's really sweet. Right? Like, Matt Harmon works for Yahoo. Like, I would help him out with anything that he needs, even though we're competitors, so to speak. I work you for Fox Sports. You work for NFL Network. Like, there it is. Yeah. We, there's no acrimony. And it's the same thing. Like, these guys, like, I always, I always look at the NFL. Like, the NFL is one big corporation, and there's 32 different branches. And somebody works in the Green Bay branch and somebody works in the Chicago branch. <laughs> you're sort of competing against each other, but ultimately uh, you're all part of the same team, so to speak. So I have no problem. I was, I was frustrated because like they kept going to her too much and I didn't want to see, I wanted to see her morose if anything, not in a bad way, but like bummed out because her son was losing. It was like his first start as the guy, his second oh, ever yeah. NFL start, like cut to her, man. She's proud of her baby uh, boy. Even if things aren't going well. Allow me, allow me to be a, a bad human just for a couple of moments and be upset and get into my feelings. But okay, listen, I, I don't want to talk about Green Bay anymore. I want to start talking about Tampa Bay, but I want let I want to let everybody know that obviously this game is going to be in Tampa Bay. And if you're thinking about where to watch the game this week, may I please recommend Game Room Chicago, located at the historic Chicago Athletic Association Hotel right across from Millennium Park, and it features billiards shuffleboard, skee-ball, pop a shot, and so much more. And it has plenty of space to watch your favorite game. With a menu featuring Michelin-starred chef Mari Katsumura's snack foods, there are beer towers, there's a weekend Bloody Mary bar, and a shareable signature cocktail that you can share with your friends. It's super fun. Game Room Chicago is the place to be on game day. And it's classy, though. Don't think that you're going into some place in Newark and you're just going to be ordering old styles. This is a place where you go to have an old fashioned. You dress like uh, George Hallis did on the sideline, and you ha- you class it up a little bit. You go out. Maybe you, have you a could good get time. away with like the Ditka sweater vest too, or like the yeah. You could. You could work. You could pull that off. But it is a great spot, and it is a great uh, great hotel, great spot. Uh, I'm sure that everybody's been there. It's some, we were talking about this before the show, like. Even if you've never been to Game Room Chicago, you've been to the hotel and you know that it's out of sight and it's a great spot. Beautiful. We hope we hope to get there uh, at some point uh, during the season, which would be a lot of fun and watch a game right there. And if I do, if we're able to make that happen, we're all dressing like George Hallis. That is going to be our thing. Uh, but this week, Tampa Bay, they won in week one. And the, mm-hmm. the funniest, the best part about this is that the Packers, or the Vikings lost and it's the morning game. And so again, we're having this crowd that's that's flowing at our watch party down there at Rip Beer Company in, in uh, Huntington Beach, California. And I went on Twitter and I go, I still want to talk smack on the Vikings, but I feel like I should wait three hours. I'm going to wait three hours and see if I have anything. And I, I, I didn't, I had nothing to say, but what's up with the, what's up with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Are they better than we thought they were going to be? I tweeted it after the game. I think this team is going to surprise some people. And that's because they have, now, the offensive line is something that gives me pause. It is do- doesn't have as much continuity on it as I would love, but it does seem like Tristan Wirfs is the rare, rare player that can be an elite right tackle and left tackle, for yeah. that matter. Uh, if anyone can get the most out of Baker Mayfield and have him have a career resurgence, wouldn't it be the guy that just did it with Geno Smith? Like, that's who their offensive coordinator is, is Dave Canales. Yeah. So I feel like that's probably going to be like that, that aspect of their game is going to be better. And like this defense again, Todd Bowles is a defensive coordinator and they have some dogs now up front. Like they really do. It's yeah. Vita Vea, their first round pick, Elijah Cansey, uh, their first round pick last year, Logan Hall. They've got talk about an interior rotation that can push the pocket. It's these massive humans. 
And then they still have a couple good edge, edge rushers. And I just great. One of the best linebacking duos in the country. I just, I, it's, it's a great defense. So I think that they can carry them um, while Baker kind of figures some, some things out. Yeah. It's a sneaky good team. I remember when I was doing my predictions and I had them at around seven or eight wins and people were questioning me because a lot of people thought that perhaps Tampa Bay would be challenging for that number one overall pick that Todd Bowles was going to be in a very similar situation to what Lovey Smith was going through last year, where you're like, you know, he's just hanging out until he gets fired and Lincoln Riley's hired to coach Caleb Williams. But I, I don't think that Tampa Bay is going to find themselves in a position, especially when you're, cause this is what I ultimately, cause I thought about that at first too. I'm like, are these going to be one of the teams that that's in contention for one of these top quarterbacks? And I'm like, now nah, the division's too wide open. Baker is somewhat serviceable. And like you said, Canales being the offensive coordinator does make a lot of sense. And as a matter of fact, and listen, uh, give me about 15 minutes. I'll answer some fantasy questions, but I will throw this out. Like if you're looking for a quarter, like if you started Aaron Rodgers on Monday night and you're like, well, I got to hit the waiver wire. You missed out on Brock Purdy or somebody like that. If Baker Mayfield is still available and you see him going up against the bears, like, listen, I'm, I, at some point, like I have to be, I have to let people know the real information. I'm not going to probably go on the NFL network and say this because I don't like being on a national platform, but for my friends here who follow this podcast, I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm, and even if it's a reverse jinx type situation where you're like, Hey, if Baker, and if I pick up Baker and he gives me six points, I'm going to be like, well, that was, that was disappointing. Uh, not so much. Uh, I'll take that as well. So I, I would do that. I would lose in fantasy to have the bears win, but I really like, I kind of like what Tampa Bay's got going on. Who's going to be the running back? Like I know Rashad white was sort of disappointing, but I thought that Tucker, Sean Tucker, I thought we were going to see more out of him. What happened? I thought like going up against that Vikings defense. I'm like, this guy's going to eat. I I thought he was going to be the waiver wire pickup of the week. Yeah. It's interesting because it was very reminiscent of the bucks of last year and the years prior when I was there, even where like, they just don't run the ball. Um, And I, I think it has more to do with the fact that their skill players, their best players on offense happen to be Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, their receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it's kind of born out of the fact that they know that's a strength. But I mean, it still seems to be like it's going to be more of a running back by committee thing. I think that Rashad White uh, is still like they still want him to be the guy and they still see a lot of potential in him. Uh, I think it's a matter of the offensive line settling in a little bit more too and making sure that they can run block. Um, I, yeah, I think it's just going to be more of a running back by committee type deal with them. Like for fantasy purposes, I wouldn't pick up either of the bucks backs. Right. Um, but I mean, for fantasy purposes, then you better have Mike Evans or Chris Godwin at this point, because See, I, love, gonna do I love that you, I love that you always want to, you, you're like, I don't know anything about fantasy, but that kind of information is very valuable. This is exactly I know, what we, I know. You don't no. have to talk you don't have to talk about points. You don't have to be like he's going to get 18.8 points or whatever that is. You can talk about like this is a committee backfield that doesn't like to run the football. So you don't want either one of that's perfect. I I will still hold on to Sean Tucker because I know a lot of people last year got rid of Ramadre Stevenson a little bit too early. So if you have a lottery ticket, you might as well hold on to it at least until the Powerball happens, but Mike Evans looked great he had a he had a big touchdown obviously he dropped another one that should have been caught yeah now i'm worried because he's going against the bears and kyler gordon it looks like he's injured but of course matt eberflus not helpful not helpful in letting us know what's going on no and i mean kyler gordon's your, your nickel right so and mike doesn't spend a ton of time in the slot yeah um but in that case like you have to get your best guys on the outside to contend with mike and the worst part about the kyler gordon injury is that his backup's injured too josh blackwell is dealing with a hamstring injury he was limited in practice but then that just that shuffles everything around because again you're trying to get your best guys on the outside at this point although chris godwin makes his money in the slot so he and he i mean he moves all over the offensive alignment he can he can go out of anywhere um he's a multi multi-talented player um who looks to be and from some of the guys that i've talked to at the bucks they told me he's really back to his old self like he was coming off the acl last year and he wasn't quite himself he couldn't cut as much he didn't trust himself as much but from everything that people in tampa have told me he's back to 100 he sure looked like it he made the catch of his life uh yeah. to win that game uh, like over the vikings last week you know third and ten and he just whoop grabs it 11 yards 
Bucks run out the clock. They win. Um, so between Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I mean, this secondary, the Bears secondary is going to be tested a lot. And Mike's yeah. not a, like not an easy guy to guard. He's just not like he's a big dude. He's six five. He's got a huge reach. I don't even know what his wingspan is, but he's a massive guy. Yeah, he's very lanky when he walks around. <laughs> uh, but it pays off as a receiver, and he's deceptively fast. So, oh I yeah, just, yeah, like he's 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 routinely underrated. Um, so this is a really good receiver core, and it seems like Baker has a really good um, rapport with both of them. Yeah, and then Sean Palmer came out and scored a touchdown as well. And it's like, okay, why not? Like, just have somebody else. Yeah, Trey Palmer, the rookie. He's Trey just, Palmer, excuse me. Yeah, he's like, they are so impressed with him. They love him. Like, he really kind of was a pleasant surprise. Um, but, I mean, this Bucks team, the starting – or the the 53-man roster has, I think, six undrafted free agent rookies on it. Mm-hmm. Like, they're making, they're making something out of not a lot. Which is yeah. really impressive when you consider that, yeah, they won week one and are the favorites in, in this one. I was going to say, like, why can't we ever do that? But then again, going back to week one last season, we beat the 49ers uh, who went out and just, and just destroyed the Steelers in week one. And I know there was a thunderstorm, rainstorm or monsoon or whatever you want to call it. But like we do that every once in a while. We just don't maintain it, uh, but we do it. I do. I am impressed a little bit more with this with this Bucks team. And I will let you know because uh, I did correct somebody who was talking about like, oh, Kyler Gordon's out. That's for Mike Evans. And I'm like, no, he's the nickel. Like, cause oh, they're like Tyreek Stevenson will be on him. I'm like, yeah. Tyreek Stevenson would have been on him anyways. Like Kyler right. Gordon's the slot guy. So I was going, I meant to do this before the show and uh, I got distracted, but whoever has lined up in the slot more for the Buccaneers is who you want to play in like DFS. But listen, we'll talk about that. You can play that. On, <laughs> you can play him on underdog. We'll talk. Chris on- Godwin's never a bad idea. I'll just put it that way. Chris Godwin. I- never a bad idea. <laughs> I love the Chris Godwin resurgence. I called that uh, last week on Good Morning Football. Uh, he was one of my guys that I was talking up because I, I thought that the Buccaneers were going to be able to move the football because even with Brian Flores as the defensive. Yeah, let's talk about some good news. Tell me the Vikings suck. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to say that. But the Vikings, like, again, like, this is one of the things, like, I don't think that they're a bad team. I think that, you know, I predicted them to go eight and nine. But I think this is what they are. Like last year, they won a lot of one score games. But now, like you're starting to regress to the mean a little bit. Not everything is going to go your way. And I think the Vikings are going to kind of just like be there. And I think that they're just, you know, they're just, they're just there. I keep saying that they have a better team on paper this year. But that doesn't mean that they're going to win any more games. They, they will probably lose more games than last year with a better team. Yeah, which yeah. is just kind of par for the course for the Vikings, though, because they were such a weird team last year. And, like, they just are such a weird team. Uh, so I feel like, yeah, this is kind of karma coming right back around. Like, okay, well, we're going to give you a better team, but it's not going to mean a better record. Uh, good news for them, though, is, again, this division is so wide open that you just you really don't know. Um, I think that it might. Wait, is, is it? Because everybody seems to have given it to the Lions already. I mean, I still think the Lions are the favorites. I've been saying the Lions are the favorites. I think the Lions are going to win this division, but that doesn't mean that, like, statistically or whatever, that they're necessarily, like, alone in that. I mean, backers keep, like, progressing and improving and playing well, and, like, they're not out of this either. So I think also with Minnesota, Brian Flores' system, it's very aggressive, but it takes a lot of thinking, and it puts a lot on the players. Um, I was fortunate enough to sit down with him for like 40 minutes um, a couple weeks ago and to kind of go through his defense and his defensive process. And he leans a lot on the veterans. So like Harrison Smith, Jordan Hicks, those are the guys that he's going to be leaning on this year because they operate kind of like an offense where they get on the field. And he said in a perfect world, Brian Flores said in a perfect world, he doesn't want to know what all is even going on out there. He wants his players to be emboldened and empowered to do that. And I think it sounds like Eberflus. Yeah. I mean, like I, in, in some ways, like Todd Bowles is like that too. He's very offensive in the way that he thinks about defense, um, offensive and offensive offensive. <laughs> he's, knew offensive. Some of his play calls. he's very um, offensive. Uh, no, if you knew some of his play calls, it's fun. Um, but here's the thing. Like, I just think that takes a while then yeah. it, like it's, a, it's such a drastic shift from what the, the Vikings did last season that it's going to take some time to get comfortable in Brian Flores' defense. And you saw that in Miami with him as a head coach, you know, the, I think the Dolphins were still last in sacks in his first year, but then two two seasons later, they're top five. So like it works. The system works. It just yeah. maybe takes a while. So I think that 
it might not take the Vikings as much time because they do have a really prolific offense still with Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison looks pretty good. Um, but it's just going to take a little bit of time for them to be able to come in clutch in those situations where on third and 10, you can shut the go- them down and get the ball back with maybe a, a little over a minute to play um, and, and maybe go out and win those games, those one score games again. Yeah. So you're saying the Vikings defense, not smart. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. Smart. They just need a little bit of They're time to joking. chill. Yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. I did want to ask you about Jameer Gibbs on Thursday night. Didn't get a ton of opportunity, but I felt like that's what Dan Campbell had been talking about heading into the in, heading into that game. I still think that Jameer Gibbs ends up making a huge impact for that Lions offense. What do you think about him? Yeah, I mean, his stat line, what, he had six touches for like 90 yards or something like that? Yeah. Or no, 80 ex- yards. Yeah. He was explosive. Like, and that's the thing, though, is that stuff that doesn't show up on the stat card is like his burst and his speed once he catches the football and the way that he can just take off. Like that is going to be utilized. Kansas city mm. did not make it easy on them. I know they didn't have Chris Jones. I know it wasn't a great defensive effort, but like still Kansas city didn't make it easy on them. Yeah. Sometimes the game plan is going to call for Jameer Gibbs to do all this crazy stuff. It just wasn't in the first game of the season. And they, they acknowledged that too. They were like, no, like we have more things that are coming. It's just, again, it was his first game guys. Yeah. Like, and he was still very well involved in the offense and what they were trying to do. I mean, even when he didn't have the ball, like I was really impressed to see him go out there and block and do like, and chip guys and do different things. And I was like, okay, little rookie, like, let's do it. Cause that's not something that these guys are taught to do most of the time. And yeah. not in the case of Roshan Johnson um, or some of these other guys now that are coming out, but like historically running backs were never asked to pass block in college. Like that's just not a thing that's usually something that they have to do. So they have to get a little bit going, but I mean, the rest of the Detroit lions draft picks, I just, just wrote an article. Actually, I, t- I talked to speaking of defensive coordinators, talked to Aaron Glenn uh, a couple weeks ago about how they're able to get so much production out of these young guys. And the rest of that draft class, like last night, the top of that draft class, I should say, Brian Branch, Jack Campbell, and then you get to Sam Laporta doing some very pro-like tight end things. Very pro, like combo tight end. Like he is a true combo tight end straight out of college. That's so impressive. So like, I don't think we can we can question Brad Holmes's draft strategy anymore. No, clearly not at it all. works. It works. And by the way, I just tricked you into a fantasy question. Boom! Take that, Carmen. You just had a great fantasy answer. That actually backs up my point that I've been saying is that everybody's freaking out about Jameer Gibbs, and you shouldn't no. be. See, this is what Keep I him. do. See, you act like oh, I don't know fantasy. But I don't. Whatever. I don't really, I, I'm not even playing it this year. Like but it I just, that answer was perfect. That's exactly that, that. You don't have to talk about points. Like it's it's not like okay. hey, because like I think because like there's just all these guys that go you know in a fantasy league what we want out of this guy like that doesn't matter. What you said was practical. Jameer Gibbs earns time on the field because he does a lot of little things that don't still necessarily show up in the score sheet. He can pass block. This means he's going to get playing time. And as the season progresses, it's going to be more points for him. That was a perfect answer. But listen, I want to let you go. I know you're very busy. Tell us what's going on with FoxSports.com. Are you a regular on that podcast? Because I didn't listen this week. Um, so I will be a semi-regular. I don't really know yeah. for, the, for the most part. It just depends on which games I have, which games I'm at. Um, and then if they need people during the week, who knows? So, uh, but I'm always on retainer for them, which is really fun. Um, yeah. So I check out the, but I mean, even if I'm not on there, please check it out. NFL on Fox podcast. Don't check it out. Unless Carmen's on it. Don't listen people. That's all I'm telling Um, you. I I do have a feature on Aaron Glenn and his defense and why they are able to get so much out of their young players coming out tomorrow on foxsports.com. All right. Um, and then (laughs) you're not gonna like this, uh, every week. I am going on to do kind of an around the NFC North type thing Ooh. on um, it, on the Pack a Day podcast. Nice with Andy Herman. So you should I'm very excited That's about that. So tomorrow uh, is when I will be on with Andy Herman on the Pack a Day podcast. All right. Well, be sure to check that out. We listen. We love you. We we support you in everything that you do, even when you've got to go on Andy's podcast or whatever. Even when I'm trying to set realistic expectations so listen, people don't I, get hurt, like I've been hurt my entire life. I'm gonna be hurt. You're not there's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can say that's gonna talk me out of that. So okay. I'm really I, I do looking it. out for you. No, I'm I know. not being I, a hater. I'm and I no, no, no. 
We appreciate it, but we, we thank you so much for being here. As always, we will see you next week. Enjoy Detroit. Was it Detroit Jacksonville? Uh, Detroit. No, Detroit, Seattle. Yeah, it should be a good game. I, I know that's, Cynthia was all like, this is where Seattle starts their run to the Super Bowl. I'm like, Detroit's going to smoke them. But in any event, uh, we'll, I'll, see. we'll see. But in any event, go have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for being here. Uh, we still have say bye to Carmen. There she goes. The great Carmen Vitale. We always enjoy having her on. Uh, great insights. And this is the thing, too. Like that, I, it, I, again, this goes back to these conversations about like what we were talking about, Jameer Gibbs. Listen, I'm sneaking in a little extra information out of this. I want to talk about as much as possible. I want to point to the good things that are happening in our lives, like the Vikings being terrible. That team, like at least we're not the Vikings. No, it's almost worse being us, but that's okay. How about some questions though, Sammy? What do, what do people have on their minds? I'm curious to know before I get out of here. Oh, Steven, again. Listen, I, uh, I appreciate you, by the way with the uh with the donation do you buy that polls half behind <laughs> polls is half asked the rebuilding this past offseason because he wants to see how fields would handle the pressure and if he fails he has a legitimate reasons to move on from him i think that ryan polls is playing the long game and i touched on this earlier that if there is something that's going to be happening if this team does not make the playoffs if we have a a season similar to last season where we win five games or something like that. Ryan Poles' job is probably not on the line. He's going to go through at least one more head coaching hire if something goes completely wrong, something goes completely sideways. Again, Ryan Poles' process with everything has been sort of spot on. And I think that last season, he went out there, he invested what he thought was going to be a not-so-great second-round pick, middle-of-the-pack second-round pick, on Chase Claypool. And if you would have told me that you would get Chase Claypool for the 38th or the, let's say the 42nd pick in the draft instead of the 32nd, I would have been okay with it. I've been infatuated with Chase Claypool and his his ability ever since his time at Notre Dame and thought that he was going to come in and be a real asset for this team. I'm willing to take risks like that. Not every trade that you make is going to be perfect. And you see that not only for the Bears, but around sports. I really do believe that there is some merit to what you're saying, though, Stephen. Like, there is, I don't say that it was half assed. I just think it was being judicious. It was a refusal to go all in until you're ready to go all in. One of Ryan Pace's problems was that he did not get enough information on Mitch Trubisky. First of all, drafting Mitch Trubisky was a joke. And then he went all in immediately and gave up all those picks that landed us. Khalil Herbert and things like that. And we saw how that worked out. They scuffled. They were okay. They made the playoffs in what three of Nagy's four seasons. I don't even think they had a losing season or did he at the end? I forget. I want or I'm blanking it out of my mind. I really, but I believe that Ryan Poles was like, listen, we, we have two first round picks and we have two first round picks that could be top 10 picks. And if there is a need to draft a quarterback, we're going to need to be able to do that. And I think that a lot of people during this offseason who were talking about like, well, the Bears should trade Justin Fields or they should try to. I, I didn't think that any three of these quarterbacks. And I'm going to put I'm not going to put the the Kentucky guy, Will Levis, think about Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. I didn't think that either any of those guys were really a guy that you would draft and get rid of Justin Fields for Caleb Williams. That. We might be onto something there. Caleb Williams is going to be a different story. And I really do truly believe that Ryan Poles is playing that long-term game of like, we love, I love Justin Fields. I think he is a great person. I would like to hang out with him, but at the same time, like you got to play ball. And if you do not improve this season, at some point you got to go. And the unfortunate part of it is, is if it, if it doesn't go well, and, and again, we're getting out of control for a one game loss, but there was a lot of problems that are just too repetitive. Like, it's like when you have a golf swing and you're like, I'm still making the same misses. You know, my friend Marty and I, uh, we've been working, uh, on our swings over the last couple of months or so. And I've been a couple of not lessons, but like, I've been a couple of steps ahead of him so that one day when he was, he was dead hook pulling or dead, just dead pulling the ball. I was like, well, you're almost there. 
I go, cause that was the last spot that I hit before I started like, you know, hitting it straight. It's like, I went through, like I was topping it, then I was spraying it and then I was dead hooking it. And then I finally was hitting it straight. We have not seen any of that. We're, we're still at the initial stage with this bears offense. We have not gotten to the point of like, we're seeing progression. Like if fields is out there and we're like, you know, let's say we went down and scored and we had these things where it's like, Hey, your first scripted series is amazing. And then it kind of gets off the rails. It was off the rails from the fourth freaking play, or at least the first third down. Like it's awful. And there is, you have to improve that. And if we don't see improvement of that, then everybody's got to go. And we could sit here and, and this will be the thing too. Like if we get to a point where we want to blame the coach and maybe it, 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 listen, it could be Getsy's fault. It could be the organization's fault, could, but you can't take that risk. If the bears are in a situation where they can draft Caleb Williams, and I don't want to be like talking about tankathons already, but if we get to a point to where we're in a position to grab one of the elite level quarterbacks, like they're going to have to do it because then you restart the window and you start with him on a five-year contract. You can rebuild. And then, you know, when you have the most cap room and you have a quarterback who's a rookie, at the start of that window, you just built more time for your rebuilding process. So I think that there's a lot of merit to that, Stephen. They really did probably think. I think Ryan Poles is no dummy. I think him and Kevin Warren know exactly what they want for the Bears long term. And remember, like they kind of want this to peak right around the time that Arlington Heights is ready. And Arlington Heights is a ways away. So I think he's willing to take some time. And I think that him and Ian Cunningham are going to be, unless Ian Cunningham gets lured away, <laughs> if we keep winning three games, he's not going to be. But I think that the the upper brass is going to be around for a while, but it's going to be Matt Eberflus, Luke Getze, and those kind of guys. And, and Matt Eberflus might even be able to buy himself a year, but I really do believe that there was a, if there was a change, they would just be like, forget it. We're, we're hiring Kellen Moore and just we're off and running. But in any event, let's, let's not talk about that. That's, that's 16 games from now. So in any event, how about another question, Sammy? What do we got? Bears fantasy question, Juice or Rojo? Ooh. Ah, juice. Juice is pretty great, but I, you know what? I I think that if I was like a regular person, I would be like Roshan Johnson. Like I think Roshan Johnson probably would have earned a spot. But again, these coaches get into these things and, Carbon was talking about Tampa Bay where they're like, are we going to run the football? Are the bears willing to run the football? That is a huge question for me. The screen game is garbage. It is not working. And I know that we got some false sense of security from it early in the season or in the preseason rather. I, I We might as well just run the football. I'm not saying wing T, but we got to run and we got to use quick passes and then we got to run to set up the play action. Justin Fields is at his best when he's throwing the deep ball. The best way to set up the D ball is with the play action and the play action stems from running the football. If we went out there and started showing teams that we're willing to grind it out. And I know it's boring, but like Arthur Smith had it right. Like I, I really am like, I'm infatuated with that. I'm infatuated with the way that, um, that it's going. And by the way, let's, uh, I could do either or Sammy. Fantasy questions, Bears questions, whatever the best question is. I'll try to be quick. Let's do a couple. Of, I'll, I'll, I know it's, I, I don't know how to answer questions quickly. Uh, would you drop David, eight, uh, Devon A. Chain if Watson is your starter? Brock Purdy is a free agent and your running back depth is solid? Absolutely. Uh, I would rather have Brock Purdy because I, I wouldn't want to play that quarterback anyways. I was in a league where I had to auto draft a guy or I had to auto draft because they had it at 8 a.m. in the morning on Labor Day morning. Uh, when we were doing fantasy live that day, our, our meetings are at 8 a.m. And I just forgot. I, I would have actually multitasked and done both, but I got caught off guard and I ended up with that Cleveland quarterback. And I just straight up dropped him and picked up Jared Goff and Brock Purdy. And I'm like, okay, I'll figure this out. I would rather have Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy is the real deal. And again, it goes back to having a, a coach who just knows how to put his quarterback in the best position to succeed. So I love, I'd rather have Brock Purdy anyways. If you're asking me and Brock Purdy just seems like a better person. That's the thing. Like Justin Fields might be struggling. He might've outscored Watson this past. No, probably not. Watson scored a touchdown, but he had that brutal, whatever. Um, drop him. Drop David A. Chain. I don't know how much he's going to be able to play. All right, Timmy, how about another question? 
Well, my gosh, Kevin, exactly. Like, that's the thing. Like, what are you scared of? It's Jordan Love. Blitz the quarterback. I don't know what is up with uh, Allen, Allen Williams' reluctance to commit some extra guys to the rush to just get after the quarterback, get him off schedule. Anything. I would love to see it. I would love to see. How about I'd love to see another question. I know. I'm with you. I wish we'd blitz more. I don't know if we have another question or not, but you know what? Um, speaking of interior pass rush, uh, Jalen Carter looked phenomenal. I mean, that's going to be one that we'll probably revisit from time to time, but I, I think ultimately, and this will be something that we look at when this season is over, how this turns out. And again, um, Jalen Carter and this organization might not have worked out. What what did you see from the Bears coaching staff in week one that led you to believe that they would have gotten the most out of Jalen Carter? I, I'm actually happy for Jalen Carter that he went to the Philadelphia Eagles. I think it would have been terrible for him to be a member of the Bears, not because he's a bad player or anything like that, but like he needs he needs the most like the most welcoming, well-run organization. And I'm I'm hopeful that at some point the Bears will get to that point, that with what Ryan Poles is putting down is going to be something that's going to allow us to take on players who have a little bit of a question mark. Remember, you know, the, the, the Lions, the Seahawks, we weren't the only team. It's, a, it's almost like the uh, Patrick Mahomes thing all over again. It's like the Bears weren't the only team that passed on Patrick Mahomes. As a matter of fact, I still, to this day, will never understand how – the 49ers are always allowed to walk scot-free away from the from the Patrick Mahomes thing. Like of all the teams, who was the team that lost the Super Bowl to Patrick Mahomes? And you could have drafted him with the third overall pick. Imagine if the 49ers swapped spots with the Chicago Bears, watched them take Mitch Trubisky. While they took Patrick Mahomes, the stories that would be written for eternity. Now, I know a lot of people will be like, well, the, the 49ers, though, that's a well-run organization that's constantly in the playoff, which is very true. How good would they be? They would be the Kansas City Chiefs. They would be a team with multiple Super Bowl wins. It's fine that to be good. Green Bay is good, but it's the championships. That's the thing. That's the difference between winning and losing. The Bears probably would have ruined Patrick Mahomes. The 49ers would have taken him to at least two Super Bowl wins, maybe three at this point. Kyle Shanahan, that, yeah, we would be we'd be talking about three out of four. If it was my just thinking about everything, injuries not being a concern, we're talking about three out of four. The Bears, Patrick Mahomes would have been Kyle, Kyle Orton. You know what I'm saying? Like not that bad, but like, ah, he would have been he would have been on some other team. He would have been a backup. He would go in there and play pretty well. He would probably be the 49ers backup this season. And they probably would have played him and been like, oh, that Patrick Mahomes played pretty well, but uh, they're they're going with Brock Purdy. Oh, the, the the stories that could come out of that. But listen, again, we're getting a little bit too negative. And I know it might be all it might be uncharacteristic uh for me to sit here, especially yesterday. If you saw the Tyler Scott show, uh, I would implore you to go back and watch it again. I was able to, to to have my sunny disposition for him, but I, again, I don't want to put a rookie in a position of like, "Hey, why does why is Getsy calling this play?" Like, I don't think that's for him to say. And it was awesome to hear him talk about his experience as a rookie. And for those of you who are like, "Hey, why is this guy so happy?" Like, what? Like, it's Tuesday, okay? Have you ever had like a bad day of work on a Monday? Are you still pissed on Wednesday, or do you move on? That's the one thing about these NFL players. It's the one thing about professional athletes. If you ever spent time covering this, and I noticed this in baseball too, baseball was the most tricky in all of this one because like, and I know a lot of people probably don't watch baseball the way that I watch baseball. And, and a lot of my good friends, a couple of my, one of my, I'd say one, it's one guy uh, who watches baseball. Like we, like we agonize over every angels loss, which really sucks because the angels are the, are the, MLB version of the Bears and the like if the Bears and and Jets had a baby that went to play baseball it would be an angel. 
So we really agonize over this. Like, oh, the team loses. Like, oh, we gave up a grand slam in the ninth or whatever. Baseball players have to turn this off like immediately, like that night. And they got to show up at the ballpark the next day, ready to play a brand new game. NFL players are a little bit different. But when we talked to Tyler yesterday, he had already watched film on Monday. That's behind him. They've digested it. They've moved on. He's got to start thinking about Tampa Bay. And so I think that it was pretty cool to get that perspective of what his first game was like. And it sucks. I mean, you think about half the league, these rookie players finally make it to the NFL. You think about how much sacrifice these guys go through, their parents go through, and everything that's poured into this moment. Like half of those rookies went home bummed because their team lost. But they got to figure out a way to go out. And Tyler even said, like, I did not talk to people. For a day, like he, he was out of commission. He didn't, he even those closest to him. So don't, don't sit here and question, don't question him. Uh, but in any event, we wanted to thank him. We want to thank Carmen Vitale for being a part of the show as well. We'll be back on Friday and Saturday. Oh, fantasy question. If you wanted to have hair, what hairstyle would you be? Um, I would want long hair. I'm trying to think of who, oh, who would be a good, who's got like a good quaff. Uh, kind of like a Roman Reigns type of thing. Not that it's always wet like that, but I would want to have like thicker hair. Like I would want thicker hair. I'd like long, straight hair. I would want like a thick mane. Um, Jason Momoa, like that kind of, I guess, you know, like that kind of hair. Like I would want to have like that sort of like long hair. Like I always get mad at David Carr because he could grow out his hair and he's got a stunning, stunning mane. Uh, but he crops it short. I wouldn't crop it short. It would be long. I'd have a man bun. I would be, yeah, I would look pretty slick. So that's what I would be doing. Uh, and that's probably more than you wanted to know. But in any event, want to thank everybody for being here Friday, Saturday. Uh, we'll be doing a ranks rival. Once again, getting us prepared a little bit more in depth on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the, the challenges that lie ahead for us. And it'll be good to get an outsider's perspective of what happened in week one and to see their thoughts on that. So I'm looking forward to that. Thanks again to everybody for being here. Check out NFL Fantasy Live Thursday and Friday of this week. And uh, until that time, bear down. And Sammy, go ahead and play us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy.